You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Here I am trying to have a great week, knowing that my beloved Raiders have the opportunity to play their way into the playoffs. But there's one thing that the Raiders still fighting for their playoff lives and the Bears still out of it have in common. Both are likely to be in the coaching market this offseason. And today, a breaking they report. Better be. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, And today, a breaking report impacted both fan bases. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. And you guys can hang out with us on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Sarah, you know, I'm just sitting back. I'm I'm watching the, the, the news go by and getting ready for a big matchup on Sunday. Not thinking about the future. But it is easy to forget with everything that's on the line for the Raiders that they started this season with a different head coach than they have right now, as John Gruden was the coach for much of the season, uh, at least the beginning portion of the season, before uh, resigning uh, uh, in controversy, right? And we've all seen the Bears this year and known that this was going to be a prove-it year for Matt Nagy. It doesn't look like anything was proven. So there's nope, an expectation nope. uh, that both— Well, what was proven is that it's <laughs> time to move on and that we don't have the benefit— of not getting caught up in what's come because that's all we have to look forward to is what's to come next. We don't have a present like you do. I'm used to being at this point in the season all in on the, okay, who's the next coach of the Raiders going to be? I was a little surprised with Bruce Feldman, who does great work reporting on college football, as he uh, put chose today to put out an article talking about Jim Harbaugh, the coach of Michigan, and the fact that he may be looking at NFL opportunities that could include but not be limited to the Raiders. Now, I'm not surprised about the Harbaugh-Raider connection. It's something that Raiders reporters have talked about for months. It's something that you, you sort of heard bubbling under the surface. Mark Davis has a longstanding relationship with Coach Harbaugh. He's somebody that uh, Davis is expected to talk to, even just to get advice about who to, to hire next. But there is sort of a moment of Michigan coming off getting blown out in the college football playoff. Maybe Harbaugh's looking for a new spot. And if he's looking for a new spot, both of our teams could be on that radar. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's down to at least the, the leading contenders are your squad and mine. Uh, the Bears clearly have very strong ties to Harbaugh, and this is something that's been rumored in past years as well. Conversation always comes back to whether Harbaugh would want to make his way back to team that he quarterbacked. Um, It's Midwestern. It's not super far from Ann Arbor. If he wants to keep those ties to Michigan and, and, you know, be able to, to still, you know, feel connected to that place. Um, I, I do, I do question when it comes to Harbaugh's decision-making, whether it's really about that blowout loss to Georgia or whether it's about thinking, Hmm, if I leave now, I leave on top. And what are the chances that there's sustained success for me in Michigan in the years moving forward? Or is it more likely to go like the previous years, which were honestly a success when you look at Michigan's record, but not in terms of what the expectations were. He wasn't able to beat Ohio State regularly. He wasn't able to be in the playoff regularly. And that's really what they wanted from him. So if he thinks that this is the time to leave, while there's a lot of good vibes about him, he's just donated all that bonus money um, to employees of Michigan that had lost a lot of, of, of their salary to the, to the pandemic. Um, that is what sold it for me. Because I thought to myself, why would he leave now when he's so hot? And, you know, he's finally not being pressured to get pushed out but sometimes that's a good time to go if you're not sure what's to come next and if you're just going to get you know get sucked back into something where the future doesn't look as good as the present yeah well and you know let's remember that he took a pay cut even before giving this money to covid coming into last season he took a pay cut and 
there's that's been why controversy. those bonuses are there. Yeah. But it, there's been controversy, not controversy, there's been sort of expectation around Michigan and Harbaugh that maybe hasn't been met. And so it feels like every year there's this conversation of should he be fired? You know, what's mm-hmm. going to happen with him? Uh, at this point, knowing coach, coaching contracts are fully guaranteed, he stands to make a heck of a lot of money going to the NFL. Like it would be a massive raise for him. But one thing that. Well, also, this is incredible leverage if he doesn't want to go. Because Michigan now is in the position of Michigan if they try to shortchange him after taking that pay cut and they don't want to get back up to the amount that he was making before that pay cut after he's now proved himself, whether that's, you know, $8 million plus, then he can use the Bears and the Raiders as leverage to say, I've got other offers and I'm going to leave unless you give it to me. And a lot of college coaches make more money than NFL coaches. Well, the Raiders already used to paying, it, reportedly, at least $10 million a year to John Gruden. Right. So. You know, it Very feels like situation, it, though. And, and Mark Davis, this is what gets interesting for the Raiders to me uh, with Harbaugh, particularly. And we've talked about this before, but when you're playing in Vegas, you got to have a billboard. Right. And that's what Gruden was for, you know, several years was a, a billboard. And, and I look at Mark Davis with the Las Vegas Aces, the WNBA team. What did he do? They didn't really need a coach. They weren't in the coaching market, but they went out and gave Becky Hammond, uh, the rock star coach, the biggest contract in WNBA coaching history to come there. Because I think what Mark understands is that you, at the end of the day in, in Vegas, you got to have that person that everybody says, wow, I want to go see that. And, right. and a coach is, can be with you longer in theory than a player. So I think that Mark Davis flirting with Jim Harbaugh makes a ton of sense because it gives him a name that everybody could say, hey, we're still relevant. Jim Harbaugh is the head coach. Now, that gets more yeah, complicated if the Raiders make the playoffs, but still. There's also this from Chris Canty on the show just before us here, Canty and Golick Jr. He has a point. I'm supposed to hit that. I thought they were hitting it, and I'm supposed to hit it. So hold on. Here we go. Try that again. They ha- He has a point. Let's face it. Even though the Raiders have the potential to be a playoff team, you're talking about inheriting a job where you have the third best quarterback in your division behind Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I don't know if that's necessarily where you want to live as a head coach in the National Football League, especially one that has the kind of options that Jim Harbaugh does. So I get it. There are some positives about the Raiders, but he is very right on that. In the meantime, you're coming to the Bears with what could be the future franchise quarterback in Justin Fields and, uh, you know, a lot of good vibes, a lot of expectations for whoever comes to coach, whereas the Raiders could just say, listen, we've got a new building. Everyone's excited about it. It doesn't really matter if our coach comes in and wins right away. Wait, 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 wait. But but when did Harbaugh start caring about quarterbacks? Look at the way he won in Michigan. Right, like fair, He fair. won without quarterbacks. A little, right? bit, a little bit different in the NFL. But, but in the NFL, he would take over a team that has two incredible edge rushers on the defensive side of the ball that are both oh, 28 oh, and under, oh, right? Oh, oh, oh. And okay, so, yeah, let's, let's, okay. First of all, we're not going to get into whose team is better. Yours is currently playing better. I still don't think they're that impressive. I don't know if that's how he's going to make his decision. Let's leave it up to the people. Uh, Spain and Fitz Nation, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper oh, like Twitter this. feed, like at this. Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. Which of those teams do you think that Jim Harbaugh should coach? We'll put them up there. You let us know what you're thinking about it. Uh, and, and, and we'll talk about it uh, again later. I do. Which one he should or which one's a better job? Because I still think the Raiders are. We'll ask both. We'll ask both. <laughs> um, Look at that. I compromise. wanted to ask you, though, about last night because um, we'll get to Baker's side of things and everything that went down and the news on that today. I just wanted to ask if you had a reaction because there wasn't a lot of conversation on the show last night before. 
Monday Night Football started about Big Ben probably playing his final game at Heinz. After the fact, after witnessing it, what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I mean, I they got the win. They're still not a great football team to me this year, and everything has just felt strange with Big Ben. It just felt uh, – there just seems to be a strange aura around all of it. It's not the usual sort of retirement run that I'm used to. What do you think? Um, I thought it was a nice scene of him running around, slapping high fives with all the fans, taking pictures with his kids. Uh, 18 years is a very long time. His record of winning seasons and postseason appearances and Super Bowls is incredible. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, I was, as usual, disturbed by the fact that there was pretty much no mention during the flowery tributes of the off-the-field issues, the accusations of sexual assault, the reporting around that that made it seem as though there were plenty of people in his life who were not at all surprised to learn that those things had been, uh, that had, had been, you know, allegedly happened. Um, and, you know, the response from the league wasn't nothing, but it wasn't much, to the point where you said that some of the folks you work with who are under 30 didn't even know that it happened, right? Yeah, that's one of the more surprising things to me as I addressed that last night in a group text. I was surprised at how many people said, huh, I had no idea that that was part of Ben's past. And, you know, that I think that speaks to the lack of storytelling about that portion of him. It's like we've just closed yeah. that chapter and accepted new Ben. And I think a lot of people get frustrated when you bring it up and say, well, what's, you know, it's been like this forever. What, what's he supposed to do now? Yada, yada. And I, I, I do think it's important to tell the full story of someone. And so it was it was kind of gross and kind of icky for me. And I imagined if you were uh, an alleged victim or someone who had not moved past that part of his career, uh, watching that just wouldn't feel right. And I, I think it's always necessary to talk about that stuff. Yeah, we should never apologize for providing full context. Uh, yep. By the way, don't forget to listen to the Man in the Arena podcast. It's a 10-part series exploring how sports impacts our everyday lives through the lens of Tom Brady's career. Brought to you by State Farm and available wherever you get your podcast. Now, you mentioned that we uh, we the, the Pittsburgh side of it, but there's a whole Brown side of it that oh, yeah. we need to get to. Plus, a hot take on AB a that I was not ready for. We'll get to all that next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can say big. All you got to do is bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or vote. Visit Progressive.com. Maybe Baker Mayfield's going to be looking to save a little cash. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what's next for the quarterback, and I'm not sure the Browns have gotten an easy answer as, you know, obviously last night all eyes were going to be on how the Browns performed even though they were listed that they were out of the – uh, playoff hunt, I should say. And now we know that Baker Mayfield is elected to have shoulder surgery as soon as possible, meaning he will not play against the Bengals. So uh, we've seen the body of work we're going to see on Baker Mayfield. And Sarah, it raises a lot of questions. I, I think it's made the Bengals job or the Bengals, the Browns job as difficult as possible this year, because now they don't have a clear cut answer of what to do moving forward with their quarterback. And part of it is what you're going to replace him with. I'm not sure that you can necessarily look at the Baker Mayfield situation in a vacuum and say, oh, the team should move on. But I'm not sure that you can look at it and say, oh, they should sign him and keep him around because he hasn't given any proof this year one way or the other that can make anybody feel comfortable. Yeah, I, I heard Canty earlier talking about how Baker mishandled the season in that he clearly uh, tried to play through a, a number of injuries, uh, the biggest one being that shoulder on his non-throwing arm, and that it, it didn't work out for him. He gambled on himself. 
uh, when the season began. He gambled again on his ability to play through injury, and he, he wasn't great. He wasn't great. And also, like you said, the Browns don't have a great idea now of what they have because what they saw was so flawed by injury. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a conversation, of course, to be had about the fact that they already obviously picked up the option. It's $18 million toward him next year. There isn't necessarily an easy option for somebody else. I heard Aaron Goldhammer talk about maybe going the, the route of someone like a Matt Ryan, right? Um, and maybe he's still on the roster, but isn't the starter is something that Emmett Golden said last night. I think there's a lot of options that people are throwing around. The thing that's bothered me about the conversation, Fitz, is... I think mishandled is an appropriate way to say it. That's using hindsight, though, to say he, I don't know. I mean, to me, mishandled feels intentional, and I don't know that he, you can make that um, argument about him if, if he didn't know what was going to come and how the injury was going to affect him. I heard um, earlier in the day Carlin basically screaming about how um, Baker shouldn't talk about the injuries now and, oh, we get it, you're a tough guy, but you aren't any good. I can't. I don't think you can have it both ways in sports. People are always asking players to pay th- to play through pain. Are you hurt or are you injured? They're always asking them to put them put everything out on the line. They're always asking them not to talk about it, to just play, and then to 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 criticize Baker for playing through all of it and not being any good. It doesn't only work when a player plays through it and they're great, yeah. right? It, it, it's you're not only going to commend someone's toughness if it works out for you. Um, if they wanted to sit him down because the team didn't think he was good enough to play injured, they would have, and they would have used another option. They did occasionally. Guess what? The other options weren't any good either. So it's not like he held the team back because of his injuries. They didn't have anyone else to play either. So he toughed it out to his own detriment. And I, I don't I don't think we need to praise him for his play, but I at least think we don't need to criticize him for trying his hardest to stay out there for the team despite being in a lot of pain and being super injured. Yeah, we pick and choose when toughness is something we want to praise or toughness in this situation is something we want to question. And Thank you. You, you know, said it in one it, sentence that I couldn't get out. No, uh, but, <laughs> no but, uh, but you're right. And it, it creates – it's part of the weirdness of the Baker conversation. And to that end, for everyone saying, well, they're just going to move on, I think Dan Graziano really nailed it this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max talking about the Browns and the fact that they may actually have to stick with him there's a chance that the Browns aren't able to find a clear upgrade this offseason. They're on the hook for almost 19 million fully guaranteed dollars for Baker Mayfield next year, whether they like it or not. He does have the injury. There are plenty of ways they could bring this back and sell it and say, hey, he wasn't at his best. We're going to try and run it back. We still believe in him. Could they go get a Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson? Possible. But there's a lot of teams out there that are going to try and get those guys, and not everyone is going to succeed. If the Browns don't succeed in that endeavor, assuming they even undertake it, Baker Mayfield remains on their list of of fallback options. I I think it's an overreaction to assume he's done in Cleveland. Yeah, and Sarah, I would also say to that end, for everyone that says they'll get a quarterback in the draft, there is no quarterback Mm -hmm. in this year's draft that is widely praised to the level that Baker Mayfield was when he came out. Like, it wasn't that long ago that Baker was supposed to be the franchise saver. And so, you know, the concept of just going back into the draft to me is also a fail. But I I think the Browns are going to be stuck, and most likely they're going to keep Baker while they try and take a flyer on somebody that they hope can push Baker out. But if it doesn't happen, then Baker, you know, they're just going to have to keep addressing this. They're back in no man's land that so many of us have been in and fans as fans when your team doesn't have a great quarterback. 
Yeah, I I mean, this is the Cutler situation we had for years mm. in Chicago. It was, yeah, we don't like him. He's not good enough. Okay, well, who are we getting? Because until we're ready to move on, he's good enough to not just throw the baby out with the bathwater and then presume that whoever comes in isn't going to be even worse, which is a lot of what we've seen in Chicago since Cutler left. Think about that. I just said yesterday, we've spent $50 million on a combined something like eight or nine starts from Foles and, and Dalton, and I can't even remember who the third person is right now. It's been that terrible. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that this is a really difficult situation for Cleveland because he was on the line before, and you didn't really learn anything this year because of the injuries. Yeah, and, you know, that it, it, none of it's easy. There are no easy answers. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. There is one easy answer for me when it comes to player acquisition, and it's about A.B. I, I mean, we, we've talked so much about how Antonio Brown, I didn't think, would be touched by anybody. But Mike Tannenbaum this morning, our ESPN NFL front office insider, on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, said something I thought was shocking when he talked about one team that he thought should take a look. Make sure that Patrick Mahomes is comfortable. Make sure that Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, because you don't want to disrupt chemistry in terms of what they have going on there is really good. With that said, I'm sure they're sitting there saying, like, well, wait a second. We're going to have to go win a road playoff game to get to the Super Bowl. We just lost to Cincinnati. We've lost to the Chargers. To have another player, you know, again, when focused, when on the field, he's one of the three or four best receivers in the game. So that's the discussion. Now, if I get pushback from – Patrick Mahomes and some of the other veterans there, then I, I don't even bring him in for you know an interview. But their feedback to me would be very meaningful. Yeah, I, I'm stunned to think that that Mike would want would would have any spot for him, but particularly the Chiefs. Like, I, I just don't get it, Sarah. I am in uh, disagreement with you. Yesterday, I said that it's almost impossible to spoil all of your chances in college or pro football if you're talented because we've seen so many examples of it. So I was not convinced, along with everyone else, that this was the final straw for AB. I do think other teams might have some interest, but I wouldn't advise them to have interest. The other wrinkle is the reporting that the Bucks aren't entirely sure what to do yet, and that's why they haven't officially cut him. They're working with the NFL because they don't want him around. They also don't really want to see him go to another team, spill the secrets of their team, and potentially play against them. Tough situation when it comes to that. I have no empathy for them because they're the ones who got themselves into this mess, but I certainly don't think the Chiefs or the Cowboys or anybody else should do it, even if it's just let's take a flyer on him for the playoffs. The downside could just be too significant. Yeah, that's the part that just blows my mind, and and the thought that somebody could come in this late in the season and be the difference maker and it would be worth whatever the headache is for the number of questions that would be answered to me is stunning. I, I, I don't understand anymore what, what is labeled a distraction and what isn't. Uh, one thing I know is not a distraction, the greatness of the NBA in one city in the Eastern Conference. We'll break it down for you next. All good things for the Bulls. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Eight straight for the Chicago Bulls. Safe to say they're back, baby. They've been back. Speaking of back, back-to-back buzzer beaters for DeMar DeRozan that happened not only in back-to-back games, but back-to-back years. Good luck ever breaking that record. Not going to happen. Unbreakable record. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And it's time for some straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. We're going to give it to you straight about the Bulls, who are streaking, baby. Number one in the East. And joining us to talk about them, Chicago Bulls TV broadcaster, also broadcaster. You can hear him on Sundays talking NFL for Fox Sports, covering games. It's Adam Amin. Adam, thanks for the time. 
What's up, buddy? How's it going? You're you're feeling good. You're in a. This is a mood. This is this a vibe you're going right this now. This is I can, a I can feel vibe. it over the phone right now. Listen, for a number of reasons. Number one, because when the season started and the Bulls were hot, a lot of people were telling me to chill. You know, it's not going to last. They've played a bunch of bad teams. They just got out to a hot start. Here we are. It's a new year. It's 2022. They've got their longest win streak since 2012. And secondarily, because when we decided to sign Deshaun, uh, De- DeMar DeRozan, I was in. Great player. Great person. Can't wait. And so many people tried to come on this very show and talk me out of it and tell me it was a bad signing and tell me the Bulls weren't going to be very good and gave them bad grades. And here we are now, Adam. Tell me what it's been like watching and calling what DeMar's been doing. And meanwhile, Zach Levine having like 35 points. Meanwhile, while DeMar's making those buzzer beaters. It is. So every time we look at championship level teams, I am not saying that's where the Bulls are at. I'm just trying. If that's the gauge that we use to determine how good a team is, right? If you're good enough to win a championship, that's the gauge that we're using. So what are the elements to that? Are the pieces there? Is the chemistry good? Do you have three levels of scoring ability? Do you have a defense that can keep you in games when the offense isn't playing particularly well, like we saw last night? All of those elements are there. So, Awesome, right? Now you need stars to elevate that. Zach Levine's an all-star. We saw that last year. He continues to play well. Nikola Vucevic has a full season under his belt, or you know, this full first full season under his belt. Caruso's playing well. Ball's playing well. And now you have somebody who has had a phenomenal track record for a long period of time and has done a lot of different things. Whatever he's been asked to do by whatever coaching staff has been coaching him, whether it's been in Toronto, whether it was Popovich in San Antonio, or whether it's now here with Billy Donovan and the Bulls, he has performed at an exceptionally high level for a long time. So that's where the confusion lied, uh, lay for, for people like you, for people like me who heard, well, I like DeMar DeRozan, but, man, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know what the fit's going to be like. I, I, you can debate the value of contracts and, and discuss that, and that, those are valid discussions, but you can have that about any player in the NBA. So if we're just talking basketball, the fit felt like it should be pretty good, and now you have the elevation of play the, the, the chemistry, the, the combination of these puzzle pieces that just seemingly work together well on a night-to-night basis, I'm, I, I'm as surprised as you were that the, the, the general consensus seemed to be so low on right. what this team was, was capable of doing. Now, did I think they were going to be a 50-win team? No. I thought 44 wins, 45 wins was a pretty good mark, and they're on pace and, and past that right now. So pretty good run that I think they're on right now, and it looks to be sustainable. So, Adam, you know, I don't want to gloss over the success of Caruso and Ball. You just mentioned a couple of guys that, I mean, other teams have given up on essentially at different times. What's Billy Donovan been able to do as a coach to get the most out of so many different guys? I think that's that, that's where the NBA needs coaches, right? You need them to manage personnel and you need, need them to manage ego and you need them to manage expectations. And that's what he's done really, really well. There, there's you know, we've, we've talked about this a little bit locally in Chicago now. I'm sure Spain has heard a little bit, but the balance of basketball ego on this team is in really good harmony right now. You know, we talk about how ego is important to the success of the great athlete, right? You have to have a certain level of ego, and you could say that for about any industry on the planet. You have to have a certain level of ego to have the confidence to be able to do certain things that other people maybe can't do. And to be able to manage that in a way where everybody feels like they're contributing to everybody else's success when there is a certain level of it, that's pretty hard to maintain for a while. And the fact that Billy Donovan has gotten that type of buy-in from a lot of different players, and maybe, Fitzy, it's, it's part of the reason 
that it's worth is because there are some guys that have some chips on their shoulders, Alonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Maybe even DeMar DeRozan has felt that. He's talked about that underdog mentality a lot. Maybe that's where the management part of coaching in the NBA comes in. The players are going to win you games. The players are going to win or lose games. They're going to go out there and execute or not execute. They're going to make shots or not make shots. They're going to win and lose you games. But if you can manage these little elements that are really key to the, to the completion of a team, I think that's where Billy Donovan is really, really good. I think his demeanor, his kind of composure in, in moments high and low, uh, I think everybody kind of has fed into that and, and fed off of that a little bit. Adam Amin is with us here on the Goodyear Hotline on Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. You can hear him nightly calling Bulls games alongside Stacey King. You can also hear him talking, uh, covering, I guess, Seahawks Cardinals this weekend on Fox Sports. Um, so, you know, I'm curious when the season started, we'd spent a lot of time talking about how they defied expectations defensively. A lot of that Caruso and Ball sort of pressing up and then getting uh, breakaway buckets as a result of turnovers. Let's get into what the concerns are now, because I think most people have kind of thought that defensively they've done a a lot better, and and that concern is kind of gone. What do you see now on a regular basis that makes you think, okay, when it comes to the elite, very best teams, this is still an issue? I think the physicality is still where this team lacks a little bit, And, and I think the two teams that have really imposed their will on the Bulls have been Philadelphia and Miami. And this is a matchup league. Like, you can be the number one seed and might just be a – you might have a bad matchup against the number eight. That doesn't mean you're going to lose the series because you're probably more talented than than the eight seed that you're playing. But you might have some troubles over the course of a series. You get into a 4-5 series or a 3-6 series in the Eastern Conference right now or even a 2-7 and you get a bad matchup, there's no guarantee that you're going to come out of that series with a victory and move on to the next round. So Philadelphia and Miami are two teams that have given the Bulls a lot of struggles. The Bulls are 0-4 combined against them because of the physicality that those two teams play with, especially on the defensive ends. Bolstra has his team playing physically. Doc Rivers, same deal in Philadelphia. And those matchups have been a problem. So if you can maybe find a power forward that has a little bit more of that, maybe a little bit more size, maybe a little bit of rim protection, maybe somebody who can come off the bench and give you – 18 minutes where you can bang into Joel Embiid or Bam Adebayo for 10 or 12 of those minutes and try to contain the physicality of teams like that. I think that's where the Bulls could still use a, a little bit of help. Defensively, they're fine when they're engaged because they have active hands and, and guards dig down at the right times. But phys- physicality is going to be really important in a seven-game series when teams make adjustments to what you do well offensively and defensively. Does that, in your mind, have to be addressed from the outside, or is there room for growth within the building that can actually address that? I think the intensity is good. I think we've seen that improvement on defense from guys like Nikola Vucevic. He's played much better defensively over the last two weeks. Kobe White, who at times has been thought of as a trade castaway of what come deadline time, he's playing really well on the defensive end. When these guys are engaged, they play well defensively. But I do think you may have to look outside to get somebody of size and physicality. I, I do think that's something that Arturis Karnaschovas, J.J. Pope, Mark Eversley, the, the main cogs of the front office are taking a look at right now as we get closer and closer to February. I think that's going to be a key for this team going forward, trying to find a piece so you don't have to put a six foot four Javante Green at the four spot to start a game against a team that outsizes you. 
Adam, there was a Clippers team uh, a year or two ago who can keep track at this point in time as a flat circle uh, that I thought would have success in the playoffs because of the number of DNPs they had. I felt, oh, there's no matter who's in or out, especially, oh, you know, it was the bubble year. I thought, oh, they'll go into the bubble. So many sure. teams won't be used to playing without all their players. The Clippers will be great. They weren't. It was bad. Uh, I'm looking at the Bulls, and I'm thinking, all right, they've already figured out how to play without almost everyone at some point. Like, And they've had real success. Mm-hmm. They've been missing players throughout this win streak. They've had great offensive nights great defensive nights am i wrong in presuming that some of this might actually help them down the road i think it does help because when you do have to dip into the ninth or tenth guy or maybe even the 11th or 12th guy on a bench whether you're dealing with injury maybe you're dealing with foul trouble as you get later into the regular season i do think that helps will it help you in a playoff series probably not because that's when the rotations get tighter anyway that's when that that same level of physicality that has to increase is going to pick up and I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about it in the long scheme of things, but I think having somebody like a Tyler Cook or a Tony Bradley or what we've seen from Io Dosumu as his minutes have gone up in his rookie year, guys who play the ninth or tenth guy role some nights, they've gotten a lot of playing time. And right. at the very least, you can trust them to make the right play defensively if they have to play on short notice in game three of a playoff series when they didn't touch the floor in the first two. You can at least rely on them and trust them to stay ready. That's been a good mentality for, you know, bench pieces like Troy Brown Jr. and Derek Jones and Tony Bradley and and all these names that have popped in and out. I'm sure the Bulls aren't the only team to deal with it. They've dealt with it about as much as any team, though, in the NBA. Absolutely. Uh, And certainly way more than the Jazz, who had their first player in protocols today. Uh, which is just wild. Maybe Omicron hasn't gotten out there yet. Hey, Adam, thanks so much for the time. We'll look forward to listening to you on the Bulls calls and again on Sunday. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, my friends. Thank you, guys. The spectacular Adam Amin with us here on Spain and Fitz, giving you the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, quickies. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. If I told you it was 30 days until the start of the Olympics. Would you believe me? Have oh you heard God. a lot about oh it? Do you God. know what's going on? Are you excited? Uh, yeah. That I don't even know. I don't know. Like, my triple sow cow is not up to form yet. It's I don't not. know what oh I'm going to do. I would love to see you and Golik do, uh, like, your version of Blades of Steel. Like, oh. you very clearly as the Napoleon Dynamite character, he's Will Ferrell holding you tightly. You've got sort of a bell-bottom polyester pant vibe. Mm. Man, that just really put a vision in my head. Yeah, well, you know what? I've uh, I've never ice skated, uh, but no time like the, the present. Shocking. To try. I know. The guy I who know. doesn't even know how to swim has never ice skated. Yeah. You know what? I'll ice skate my way to the bike, and then I'll yeah. take the bike to the pool, and I'll get it all handled in one there day. There you go. I, that's right. No, can't swim, can't ride a bike. This is all a problem. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. That reminds me. I actually have a new thing happening on my podcast. I'm going to rope Ooh. you into it, and okay. it's going to be related to your inability. Which one is it? Is it bike? or swimming or both no i can't do either yeah 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 i think the swimming's most important you know because of the whole dying if you drown thing (laughs) and also the polar plunge which we'll get to later you might need to know how to swim for that so i'm gonna rope you into that but but that's something for later because right now we got to do quickies quickies with spain and fitz we get in and out of topics fast to be very clear, Sarah, I'd be doing far less quickies if I take the polar plunge. Go ahead. That's very true. Not any at all if you if you survive. <laughs> uh, I was in the pool. 
Uh, I just mentioned 30 days until the Beijing Winter Olympics. Now, China has had incredibly tight plans to try to kind of seal participants in. They, they, you know, they want to avoid this Omicron variant. They have reported just a handful of Omicron cases in the country so far. Um, they've had really, you know, strict zero tolerance policy and all of that. But man, thousands of international athletes coming in, all of these folks. Uh, there's still a lot of questions. It feels very similar to last summer dealing with the Summer Olympics, except last year there was a lot more conversation about the competitions fits. It feels like I, I, I barely heard about some of the biggest names and 30 days away, we usually would be getting into all that. Yeah, that's the hard part. When you mentioned 30 days, I was a little shocked because I don't feel like we've gotten the usual storytelling. Like, where's yeah. the the drama and where everybody came from and how they came together? And those are all the things that we look for. Plus, I'm trying to figure out, like, in a beer Olympics world, what do you do for the beer winter Olympics? Like, a, an ice luge shot thing? I don't know. Yeah, like, that's I, clearly up top. i got to figure this sure. out. There's some good curling-related drinking, I'm sure. There's actually <laughs> probably, you put the, uh, you get the ski poles with the screw-off top, you could put the pepper mint schnapps and stuff to take some shots on the way down the hill oh that's a good idea we'll ask matt lack sometime our resident canadian what there we do we for like cold weather drinking of, yeah you know, that's what that's all that people do you know competing i was just talking to kendall coin schofeld who's a friend of the show and couldn't believe it when she's like well you know i do have to leave for the olympics and i'm like what oh my god so yeah we not we need to do some storytelling here so we will get on that not right now though because it's quickies next story quickies uh gino versus muffet Gino Oriema and Muffet McGraw have been going at it for a long time. Muffet McGraw, the former coach at Notre Dame, Gino, of course, at UConn. And they had their battles uh, many times before. It has been reignited after Muffet McGraw appeared on Kate Fagan and Jessica Smetana's podcast through Meadowlark Media called um, uh, Into the Looking Glass. And basically just had some comments about how she believes that UConn is, is uh, espn favorite there's a bias by espn toward yukon's women's yukon's women's basketball program um you know that nbc is 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 connected to notre dame or and and, and you know whatever else so what she said was pretty true um she said yukon's done a lot of great things they've won way more than anybody else except tennessee i think people measure their team uh by them and when we joined the big east we were like you know we got to get to where they are that's where we want to be but i think he goes over the top with the espn that's connecticut's network notre dame as nbc connecticut as espn that's complete absolute bias there and then i think she said some very true things fits about the way yukon basketball gino oriam and the powers that be out of yukon have an outsized influence on the olympic team we saw that with neko we saw that with candace parker all of that is very true to me well Gino Oriama first told ESPN no comment and then clearly couldn't hold it in because here's what he had to say. Yeah, I guess Muffet's bored. You know, I guess she doesn't have a whole lot to talk about. And usually when she was coaching, when she did talk, nobody listened anyway. So uh, I guess she figures she's got a platform now. But I just think it's interesting that, you know, when people say there's a bias between us and ESPN, you know, we started getting on ESPN in 1995 when – no one else would play, and we played in the Martin Luther King game. And we've been on ESPN a lot. You know, there are a lot of other schools within proximity to ESPN. I don't think the bias has anything to do with where ESPN is located or where UConn is located. I think the bias has something to do, if there is any, with the 11 national championships, which is a lot more than two. Mm. Oof. Oof. Uh, I will say this, Sarah, like I, I the concept of a bias for UConn women's basketball, like we don't talk more about UConn football here. I mean, yeah, you have to be good 
to be talked about. And the other side of it is it's hard for me to think of a bias only because Muffet McGraw came on Golden Kamwingo when I was on that show several times uh, because of the Notre Dame ties at the time. So, yeah, but that's different. Right, but coming I'm just on saying. Your show, coming on that show a bunch is very different from the connection that UConn women's basketball and ESPN have. I, I think, but part of, to, to Gino's point, like at some point, if you're great continuously, then you're continuously talked about. Like that's just sort of the way it works, like it or not. Like there's not a bias against UNLV men's basketball. They just suck, so they don't get a, they don't right. get any coverage. I mostly agree. I mostly agree, and I think that it obviously hit a nerve for Muffet the co- the coverage. But I also think Gino, as per is often the case, didn't choose his words necessarily based on fact. The idea that no one listened to Muffet McGraw when she was a coach. She had a 33 year career at Notre Dame, including. A passionate answer about women in leadership to a question at the tournament that resulted in thousands, millions of views. President Obama and others, you know, talking about it, and it that to me felt like cheap shots more so than addressing it, which is something he could have done without needing to make it personal. I do agree but with that? Yes, I that's do. That's where with we that. are. All right, next story. Quickies. Okay, we know that the Washington football team uh, alleged that they offered medical assistance to those who fell when the railing collapsed after the game the other day. Uh, But afterwards, many of those folks said, that's not true. We were not offered medical assistance. They just told us to get the bleep off the field uh, after they fell, you know, six feet or so to the ground. Some said that they have sustained some injuries. Jalen Hurts, who was there when this happened, quarterback for the Eagles, sent a letter to the Washington football team and the NFL today asking what follow-up action is going to be taken after the railing collapse, including saying, it kind of didn't hit me until after the fact, having some time to reflect on it and think about it. I just wanted to see what could be done to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's all I really care about. He said, you know, it could have been so much worse. And that's true. It could have been really bad. And there are some media members, and I think at least another folk who had to go to the hospital and are are dealing with the results of this um i think it was a really great move by him to take accountability even though he had nothing to do with it and say if no one else is going to i'm gonna make this public and make sure it's handled right i'm stunned and i love it i love everything about it for the young man to come out and say hey i want to know what's happening because now the questions will have to be answered like if we talk about it the washington football team doesn't have to respond if jalen hurts writes a letter and then publicizes it like at this point now, they, he's put Washington in a, a, a response situation. I love yeah. this by Jalen Hurts. Well, and some of the people who fell said he was the one asking if they were okay. Do you need help? It's while they were saying, you know, get out of here. Get off the field. Uh, it's par for the course with the Washington football team. By the way, they're allegedly announcing uh, their new name in a couple days. So get excited for that. Early February, I guess. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz Nation. You could be a part of it if you join the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season's here and fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. We got a poll for you coming up next. Also, NFL talk. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. If there's any one thing I can be sure of this week, even as a lifelong diehard Raiders fan, my Nashville ties run strong, which means my social media is just blowing up about the lack of respect that the Titans get nationally. We're going to fix that now. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. By the way, we're going to ask you guys, it's National Trivia Day. So what's your go-to trivia question? Like when, you, when you're at a party and you've got that chance to throw out your go-to trivia nugget, what's your go-to? You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz. 
at Jason Fitz. Sarah, do you have one? Is there like a is there a go to for you? I'd have to think about it a little bit more. See, I think the it's thing is, like one of those sports ones that you le- you're like you'll never believe. No, Sarah's like really super smart, so she's got a million of these <laughs> things. I am not, so like you know, I don't have to dig as deep. Let's let's see if we can get any help from uh, our guest. Let's go to the Goodyear hotline. There are certain things that are ingrained in your life if you've ever lived in Nashville, and there are two words: touchdown Titans. That I'll never, I won't even try and say mm-hmm. it the way that Mike Keith does because the way he says it might be the best that any radio person does on any of the teams in the NFL. I love the fact wow. that we're talking to Mike Keith now. Man, just your work is is spectacular. It's stellar. We'll get to football in a second. Do you have like a go-to Mike Keith uh, trivia fact when you walk into the party? Okay, so I, most of when I'm included in the trivia group for trivia night, they take me for sports, but they will occasionally take me for 80s music too. Ooh because I'm a child of the 80s. And so everyone knows that Video Killed the Radio Star from the Buggles was the first video ever played on MTV. Can you name the second? I don't know. I, I, you would think I listen to the 80s on 8 all the time. I don't know this. Like something from like you Wham better, or something. Michael Jackson. Oh, my. You better run, Pat Benatar. Wow. Oh, okay. My that Keith, is good trivia. Drop that is a that's not a trivia nugget. That's like trivia <laughs> gold, Mike. I yeah. mean that is well okay. So now I'll never top that. By the way, uh, now that we know we can't top that, let's get to the Titans, Mike. Uh, great work by you. I'm I'm shooketh by that. Uh, Diana Rossini reporting that the Titans running back Derrick Henry is expected at practice tomorrow. How have they managed to win games without him? It's a great question. Uh, This has been – so I've been with the ball club 24 years. This has easily been the most bizarre year I've ever seen with this ball club. Playing 88 guys, which is an NFL record, and losing Derrick Henry nine weeks ago. And, I I mean, it's just been one thing after another. And now – this ball club has almost been rewarded, Jason, for its misfortune because – Suddenly, as all of these guys come back, they have built depth. And what's what's really happened is, one, they've had a lot of different people step up at key moments. Two, they have a philosophy that they have stuck with since John Robinson got here as general manager in 2016. They want to run the football and they want to play defense. Their defense has improved dramatically as the year has gone on, which we thought it would. We knew it would probably take a while because they added so many new pieces, and right now it's a lights-out defense. The final factor, in my opinion, is the availability of Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's statistics this year are pedestrian, mostly because he's been throwing to receivers for the great part of the year who, quite frankly, we didn't think would be on this football team, or if we did, we didn't think they'd be playing receiver at any point, and yet because Tannehill has appeared in all 16 games and has been there every week, he has given them a chance to win. So Mm. it's really all of the above factors that I've just reeled off while talking way too long. Well, I want to follow (laughs) up on the, on the Tannehill thing, because I have thought that he is um, it's hard when you say elite, it's very vague. And certainly he doesn't have the talent of an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes. He's not in that upper echelon, but a lot of people have dogged on him in a way that I think is not fair considering how he's been able to execute 
And that means something, right? You could call him a game manager. You could say he's about the team being a running team, whatever it is. But what you've watched in and out, what have you seen from him this year, despite those pedestrian stats? Well, Sarah, I I think a lot of it with what's happened to Ryan is when you throw an interception and the receiver doesn't go the right way, you have to eat that as a quarterback. And he's done that. You also have situations like he had a fourth down in a game earlier this year where you've got to throw the ball into the end zone. You're playing the Patriots. You've got to throw the ball into the end zone on fourth down. You can't run out of bounds. You've got to give somebody a chance. Well, that ends up getting picked off because it's tipped. So you have some of those things happen. For the most part, his decision-making continues to be excellent. He's really a much better passer than what he gets credit for. You know, if he had five wides and – you know, they ran that type of offense. I, I think he could do that better than what people know. And at moments where he has to drop back and gun it, he can do it. But Ryan Tannehill's the guy that you played with or or the person that you played with, regardless of gender, regardless of sport. But there are certain people you play with who figure out how to win the game. You know, it's like, okay, if if I need to check to run left here, to help us win the game, that's what I'm going to do. If I need to take off running and gain two yards for a first down, that's what I'm going to do. So that's Tannehill. He's a winner. And that's the secret part of him that I think people nationally don't know. And quite frankly, I didn't know until he got We're talking to Mike Keith, voice of the Tennessee Titans. Mike, you mentioned what people don't know nationally. Mike Vrabel just seems to grow and grow as a rock star in the coaching community. What do we not know about him and his ability to get this production out of this roster? He's a real live head coach, and he has improved every single year. There are good football coaches who are not good head coaches. Mike Vrabel is a good football coach who is a good head coach. His dad was a high school basketball coach, so he saw it done in his house. You think about who all he played for. He played for a great high school coach. He played for a championship caliber Hall of Fame uh, college coach. He's played for some good coaches in the pros. He's coached with some good people. And Mike runs the show. And this year, you know, he said, okay, what we did on defense last year didn't quite work philosophically. So I'm going to go ahead and make Shane Bowen the defensive coordinator. And I'm going to do this a little bit differently. And guess what? Now you've got a top 10 defense. You know, that's how they're playing, at least at the end of the season. He gets it. And I don't know that many former players do. That's always been my experience in watching sports and being around different former players who were outstanding, as Mike was, that they just don't sort of get the whole picture. Uh, Mike does. He manages his coaches. He manages his players. You know, he does radio and TV show with me, and he does a great job. He, he wants to be good at every facet of his job because he understands that when you're the head coach, all these things matter. So many of these folks don't get that. You know, they're like, I'm just going to lock myself in my office, and I'm going to act like Nick Saban, and this is how it's going to – oh, that works for Nick Saban, you know? Right. You've yeah. got to be you're, you've got to be yourself. Hey, before we let you go, I want to ask you, Mike, because I was asking someone else this yesterday. I've heard everything from Harry Douglas saying the Titans are the best. Everyone look out to folks rolling their eyes and saying, "Oh, real scared about going to Nashville." Uh, why do you think there is such a swing on expectations for whether this team can cause some issues in the playoffs? 
because they don't have stats, Sarah. If you look at their statistics, you say, huh? You know, because they're minus in turnover ratio. They don't average 40 points a game. They For the whole year, they don't hold the opposition to 9.6 points. This is a team that's been through it. And let me just tell you this about the Titans. What they do and what they're doing right now travels. Mm. And I'm talking about a physical defense. I'm talking about being able to run the football. I'm talking about a complementary style that you see a team that can get to your quarterback with a four-man rush, and you see a team that has a quarterback who has a lot of experience and now has significant playoff experience, too, through the last two years. Um, The Titans, when they are playing clean, can beat anybody. They're going to be a hard out for anybody if they're playing clean. And that's the, that's the biggest reason. Not the prettiest, not the, not the numbers, not the team whose players have won you the fantasy championship. I get it. But look at what they've done since their bye, and look at what they're doing right now. And the other thing, too, Sarah, they got to buy the first weekend in December. they got to right. mini-buy Christmas weekend after the, the San Francisco game on Thursday night. If they win this weekend, they'll get another bye. Guys are coming back. This is the team we thought we'd see all year. Nobody does it better than Mike Keith. I'm telling you, next time you watch a Titans game, mute the TV broadcast, turn on the radio broadcast instead. Mike, we appreciate your time, dude. You do incredible work. Thanks for hanging out, and have a great, uh, have a great New Year, my friend. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you saying that. That was Mike Keith, voice of the Tennessee Titans, brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear. More driven. There is a ton on the line this weekend in the NFL, not just on the field. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I think I just got the best recommendation for how we pay off the the, uh, season-long prediction bet, Polar Plunge. Lake Michigan, for me, whenever the regular season ends, so January, and whatever body of water you're closest to that's going to be freezing, that's a a good one. Okay, it's going to be cold. Very cold. I mean, that's a, I'm 45 minutes from that in Connecticut. Yes, all in for that. That is all a right. great idea. It's cold, 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 cold. Penguins, icebergs, polar bears. Freaking polar bears. Polar bears. All right, everyone, gird your loins. For some reason, I feel like my peaches are going to be grape nuts by the time it's all done. Spain and Fitz <laughs> on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. That's right. We did preseason predictions, and we decided that uh, we would wager a polar plunge on these predictions. And, Sarah, it has come down to the wire. Like, as much as we're talking about my anxiety on Sunday because my beloved Raiders have the chance on Sunday night uh, to win and get into the playoffs. By the way, up yours to the NFL for for putting that game at Sunday night. Like, what (laughs) am I – all day Sunday, I'm going to be just sitting in a basket of emotion. But on top of that, I've got to watch all of these outcomes knowing that it could affect uh, whether or not I'm going to have to run into freezing cold water or you are. I don't know why we agreed to this. Yeah, it's seeming like a terrible idea because I don't know why I was just confident because I always beat you at everything. And I was like, this will be another fun thing to beat him at. But – we had Stash run the numbers quickly before this, uh, the show started. I'm only up 36-31. Now, that sounds like a decent padding there, but with the NFC South, NFC West, and AFC West all still in the mix here, a lot of shuffling of teams. The way we decide to do it is 
Four points if you get the division winner right, three points if you get second place right, two for the third, and one for the last. There's a lot of flipping that can happen in a couple of those spots where you and I called it differently. And one of the biggest ones is your beloved Raiders. Like, your balls are depending on the Raiders. Yeah, and you're not wrong. I mean, like, just that's the extra insult to injury. You know, I I found myself at the end of the first half against the Colts apologizing on Twitter to the football gods for whatever I did to them. Now I'm starting to wonder if the football gods just, uh, they just decided to let me have a little (laughs) bit more joy only to make sure that I I suffer the ultimate defeat. Right. Like, now I know that if the Raiders lose on Sunday, it means that I get to take a bath in icy water on top of the fact that the season ends the hand of the Los Angeles Chargers. Like, I'm not ready for, like, either way, I'm not ready for the emotion of winning or the emotion of losing. And it's only Tuesday. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen by Thursday. Well, at least we do know one thing. And it's Spain and Fitz, by the way. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. We do know that you have lost the weekly picks. Uh, We did not make our picks this last week, which is unfortunate for you. But to be fair, uh, you couldn't have caught up. So it's not as if we uh, denied you the chance to to make that last run. We will pick for this week just because we need to. It's going to, you know, week 17th game, week 18. But I'm up 44-16 in my picks, and you're at 35-24-1. So with one week remaining, we do know with certainty that you will be singing a song that you have written extolling my virtues oh, it'll be man. a song about how wonderful i am and you have to write it and perform it on the show and i'm looking forward to that you're a professional musician this should be good yeah this is this is a I'm lot gonna, of pressure I'm no expectations this is what you did for a living so it has to be wonderful and amazing i now know what i'll be doing on my flight to indianapolis uh, i'll be i'll be <laughs> sitting there with a pad of paper uh, because i'm that old man that still likes to write on an actual pad of physical paper i mm-hmm. will be sitting there uh, trying to figure out, you know, of the best way to to make sure that you get the appropriate amount of praise. And thank uh, you. Uh, look, I, we it's already be a long know the song. If you get to all of it, I really. mean, I, there's no chance. Like, it, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to be breaking all the rules of songwriting. It'll be a 16 minute opus <laughs> at this point. It'll take an entire segment on on ESPN. We really Radio. don't have time for a repeating chorus either. It yeah. should probably just be. Uh, you know, you can hit on it once or twice, but that's just going to get in the way of you being able to get to everything. Yeah, that's that's fair. I don't know how, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the chances that the, the good news is you won't actually see the pad of paper because the chances I'll be spelling any of the words that I use correctly. <laughs> like I'm going to have to Google big fancy yeah, words because that's, that's what you use. There's so much true. into this. By you the way, you also have to reach out to a bunch of your friends in the industry. I imagine you'll want some featured performers. I mean, uh, some of your best known and and highest selling artists should probably be guesting on it that's what i'm worth clearly that is that that's you know that is such an idea it is such (laughs) an idea it's Uh, an idea uh, it is it is is so uh, tune (laughs) into the espn daily podcast that's an idea also get you a deep dive into a single story from one of espn's hundreds of reporters presented by supercuts download subscribe and review espn daily available wherever you enjoy your podcast The, the amazing thing to me is that we go into week 18 and it feels weird to say week 18 we go into a 17 game Sarah but that we do have so much on the line and and I've often said I think the NFL does a really smart thing by making sure that the last week of the season are divisional matchups that give us the opportunity to have this sort of suspense but it's not just uh, while the the Raiders and the Chargers is a win and you're in it's the only for both sides of this there's a lot on the line when you look at teams like New Orleans and Atlanta and it's funny to think about Atlanta still has the available for all of the, the conversation we've had about what's gone wrong for Atlanta at the quarterback position this year they still have a shot at the playoffs, and that just speaks to the job that Sean Payton has done and speaks to how good the Saints continually are, that even without a clear-cut answer there, they have a shot. 
Yeah, and that's actually something at the beginning of the season that was hotly debated. I remember I believed them to be a wild card team uh, with their weird collection of, of quarterbacks. Um, but but I, I did think that the rest of the squad and the coach and the, and the veteran leadership there uh, would make them, you know, in the mix. And, and that's what they are. If they end up making it, it will be by the skin of their teeth. They're not a super scary team to me. I don't see them going far. But, yeah, they're one of the teams that still has something to play for. There's a couple that really have something on the line in this final week. Well, and you mentioned sort of not going far. I think there's almost two separate conversations now is sort of the conversation A is can we make the playoffs? And conversation B is are we any good if we make the playoffs? Like, you know, those are two very different. But even going into the weekend with seeding, I mean, I would argue that while the Titans are taking on the Texans, I don't know that the Titans have a huge home field advantage in Nashville. I'll be fair. I've been there a bunch of times. That stadium doesn't always rock. But they have a huge disadvantage. The there. Yeah, well, that, yes, <laughs> they always rock for the other team. That, Great that's, place to visit. You know, but it, I would argue it's a huge disadvantage if somehow right. they lose that to Kansas City. Kansas City sitting at home for the whole AFC run seems like it would be huge. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. To your point, there are the conversations to be had about who we really think might contend and how they're going to be affected by what happens over the course of next next weekend or this weekend, I guess I should say week 18. Um, And then there's just the conversation about who gets the opportunity to even show up and to have that extra game or two if they become upsetters. Um, and, And that's. That's the uh, that's the couple that are that are uh, on the fringe. That includes your beloved Raiders. Yeah, well, we'll see how that works for the Raiders. I, I'm either going to be drinking all night Sunday night in misery and tears, or I'll be drinking all night in, in celebratory tears. Either way, there's going to be alcohol and tears by the yeah. end of the night. <laughs> One thing I do know is that there's a shot the Raiders play the Bengals in the playoffs, which means road trip with our buddy Jordan Cornette. I've already decided this is going to happen. We'll get his thoughts on the Bengals next. Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. There were Amazon men. Our next guest will qualify. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, the very tall brick house of a man, Jordan Cornette, huge <laughs> Bengals fan. He is hyped after the win, after the division win. Jordan, thanks for the time. Oh, Sarah Spain, how I have missed you. I see that guy, Jason Fitz, all the time, so this isn't a big deal. Yes, uh, But yes. that intro brought Forget me back him. to uh, <laughs> b- before you can me working with you. I'm so happy <laughs> to be on here with you guys right now. This is great. Oh, throwback to the Spain and Company days. The good old days, I like to say to Fitz wow. every night. I'm here. I'm uh, in the room, people. Jordan Cornette, we spent a lot of time on that show talking about Joe Burrow and the frustration of him getting hurt and will they protect him behind the offensive line and what could this team be and how much do the Bengals suck year after year? Just tell us the emotion of the Bengals in the postseason and you getting a ticket and planning your trip. You know, relief. I mean, this is a group that hadn't won double-figure games since 2015, the laughing stock, and you saw the emotion from Zach Taylor, Bengals head coach, and he hadn't even been here for all of it, but experienced some of it and knew the toll it had taken on a city that a lot of people believe as sports fans is cursed. I mean, you could look at the Cincinnati Bearcats uh, back in 2000 with Kenyon Martin, the overall one seed to go win that tournament by a landslide, and then he breaks his leg. You can look at 95, I believe it was, with the Cincinnati Reds in first place, Barry Larkin crushing it, and then baseball goes into a lockout. We've seen moments like this. Kajana Carter, the future of the Cincinnati Bengals, tears his ACL and never becomes the guy. There's been so much heartbreak. And so there's a sigh of relief, Sarah and and Jason here, because we're back in the fold. We control the AFC North. We're the kings of the North. We're going to the playoffs. But there's still a lot of anxiety and trepidation Mm. because 1991, 30 years since the Bengals have won a postseason game. 
So that's now the elephant in the room, the next obstacle for us to overcome. We're happy to be here, yes, but there's still a lot of work in front of us. Yeah, well, let's be honest, though, Jordan. They've done it without having a great offensive line. They've got so much uh, production out of young guys. I mean, has it sunk in yet that the Bengals are they positioned themselves to be good for a decade? Yeah, and if you look around, there's a lot of chaos, so to speak, within the division. I mean, look, the Ravens are going to be fine. Uh, they won't have the kind of injuries they've had this year. So you could call that a stroke of luck. The Browns don't know who their quarterback is. The Steelers don't know who their quarterback is. Uh, we've never really worried about the Browns. Let's be honest. Come on. Wow. If we're the seller wow. team, the Browns are really. Wow. Now I could do that, Sarah. I could do this. I know. Now. That's I so embarrassing for the Browns that a Bengals fan <laughs> literally has that upper hand. Um, so, yeah, it, it feels good to be in that position. But, again, uh, we walk lightly and we hope to carry the big stick because we've seen – heartbreak before so we're not coming out there too cocky too confident we appreciate what we have here in place a lot of people were second guessing I was one of them I said go get Panay Sewell in the draft go protect your quarterback but I also love the fact that I said this when it happened that this was a franchise that always makes the wrong decisions with Mike Brown at the helm but said let's make our quarterback happy Let's not have a situation with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Let's not have a situation like Russell Wilson in Seattle. Let's do what he would most want. He wanted Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase has had a historic season as a rookie. It looks like the right decision, and it's because of those two. But let's not forget about the cast of other big-time talent on that offense that have been able to have us overlook the inefficiencies of that offensive line to be great because there's a T Higgins in there. There's a Tyler Boyd who's been here through the losing. And of course, Joe Mixon, we have so many weapons. I could talk all night about this. (laughs) I'm really juiced. I'm really excited. I'm going to Cincinnati no matter what for this playoff game. I want to see a win. I have to see a win. One of the things we talked about when we were going back and forth about this was the, the nerves about whether you got the guy in Burrow. I mean, how pumped are you about the way people are talking about him and what he's displayed, not just talent-wise, but attitude, poise, everything else? Sarah, I didn't know if we were going to have him this year. I mean, that yeah. injury was so brutal last season. I was like, no, no, no. He means too much to our future. We can't risk it. Uh, I do think this team can do some things this year, but let's sit him one more year just to make sure it's safe. That's how anxiety-ridden some of us were. Like, don't even put him out there this year. Let's get him fully healthy. Uh, about a year ago to the day almost, this was a guy who posted the pictures of him starting to move uh, soundly on both legs and was coming back. And to think it's come this far where we're now in position for him to take us into the playoffs and have a chance to make some real no- noise in the postseason, it's absolutely remarkable. And as for people uh, that go without being named here, they used to be at the network talking about, what are the Bengals celebrating? This is really cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I love that this is a group that's young and don't know what they don't know. They don't know about the history. They don't know about what you should do going into the playoffs, what your mindset should be. There's something to be said for that being okay. I love that this group is just as excited about wins as the city is because they are the city. Joe Burrow is a homegrown guy from Ohio being there from Athens. It's really cool how this whole thing's playing out because they're doing it a different way. Real quick, Jordan, if you had to make a choice, you can only watch one thing happen. The Bengals win a Super Bowl, Notre Dame win a national championship. What is it? Uh, Notre Dame won a national championship in Ooh. basketball. Oh, oh baby. That was so I mean. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that, that coming. so mean that you did that to him. Of course. Jordan's got to go do some TV. Hey, thanks for coming out. I'm super pumped for you. I'm excited. We'll have to get you back after that, uh, after that big first win, of course, and get your experience. 
I hope it's against the Raiders, Sarah. And I'll just leave you with that. You son of a biscuit. Let's do it. Let's go. If you see me in these hallways, Fitz, if that ends up being a matchup, don't look me in the eye, brother. We are enemies if that happens. Yeah, well, realistically. You have to look pretty high. Yeah, best case scenario, I'm looking him in the nipples. That's the best I got. That's right. That's right. Well, well, don't do that either. Those nipples are coming for you. (laughs) Those nipples are facing very far east and west these days. I need to get them back more in the center. I'm working on that. New Year's resolution. Oh, man. Oh, my God. spoken Spoken like someone on the wrong side of 30 for sure. Uh, Jordan, thanks for the time. <laughs> See you later. My God. See you guys. I just, so much nipple talk yeah, on this show in the last couple talk. months. A lot uh, of nipple if talk. If I were you, I would avoid looking him in the nipples, too. I just think you should probably go to the other side of the hall, put your head down, and don't start anything. That we actually like twice the size of you. Uh, it would be difficult for the scenario that gets the Raiders taking on the Bengals. In the fr- and look, all I'm, I'm begging for is the opportunity to see a playoff game, but... Uh, there was a text between Jordan and I saying, if for some reason the Raiders make the playoffs and if for some reason that game is in Cincinnati, we got to go together. Like, they're just for the oh, content of it, like, yeah. given our friendship, we've got to go together. I yeah. say that, but I also, I really enjoy our friendship, and I'm not sure it could survive that for either of us, so we'll see. Has it really been since 2002 that your team was in the postseason? No, uh, there's been one game, 2016, without Derek Carr. We played with our third-string quarterback and lost. Oh, that's right, lost. that's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, one, 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 one game, one playoff game since 2002. Oh, uh, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Coming up, it's National Trivia Day. We asked you guys to give us your favorite trivia. Things got weird. Uh, we're going to talk some porky pets and other things. Coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You guys gave us so much trivia. We asked the question on National Trivia Day of what's your go-to trivia. You pull it out at parties and bars. I'm still talking about the trivia. Sorry for that phrasing. You offer up the trivia question sure. at parties and bars. And you guys gave us way too many for us to get to all of them. And some of them got pretty weird. But first, we have to address something from earlier. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We asked if you could be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed and tell us which is the better head coaching job. 55.2% of you said the Raiders is a better coaching job than the Bears at 44.8%. We also asked if offered, which job do you think Jim Harbaugh should take? The Bears, the Raiders, or neither? 35.4% the Bears, 24.3% the Raiders, and 40% said neither. Don't take <laughs> either of those jobs. They're both trash. Or maybe it's just Michigan fans who want them to stick around or fans of either team that don't want them to come there. Um, the, let's get to the, the trivia because there's some really great ones. And my apologies to the ones I don't get to, but you guys came in fast and furious. And some of you didn't put the answer with the question, and that is too hard to track while I'm also hosting a radio show. So yeah, thank yeah. you very little. That person, that. that person, like <laughs> – you, you you don't get any credit. Like, if you made yeah. us Google the answer, like, now some of these I, didn't, I Google because I just wasn't sure that they were accurate, but stunned to find out that they were. But if you just didn't give us the uh, the answer, you're being too, too cute. too hard. Just too hard. All right, here's a couple that I really liked, Fitz. At uh, uh, Blabe Forth, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. He's a part of Spain and Fitz Nation. He said, seven countries in the world have the letter J somewhere in their name. What are they? Japan, Jordan, Jamaica, Fiji, Djibouti, Azerbaijan, and Tajikistan. 
would not have gotten that. That's that's, that's too not. long of a party answer, though. Like because it is. I, a, it is. And I you requ- remember all seven, which you never would. Yeah, uh, no. To be able I mean, to give be, people the answer. No, uh, at Sooner J, what's the given name of the skipper on Gilligan's Island? Oh my God, I don't know what the given name of the skipper Neither is. Neither did I, but I like it. It's Jonas Grumby. You know what? If I ever get famous enough to need a, fa- a fake hotel name, Jonas Crumby Jonas might be the top Crumby. of the l- list. Jonas Crumby. Uh, Michelle Steele is in trouble, our very own ESPN Michelle Steele. She asked, what's the percentage of Petco employees who have tried the free doggy biscuits at the cash register? I said 15%, and she just answered with higher. Michelle, we need the actual number, but I'm still including it because what? More than 15% of the cash workers, registered workers at Petco have tried the biscuits? You've never tried a dog biscuit, Sarah? Uh, I don't believe I have. And I certainly wouldn't if I worked at Petco and they were sitting in a container right in front of me. I mean, get a little blood sugar crashy. Bring my own snacks. Long long day. Uh, I'm still stuck on the Jonas Grumby thing. Might be a good band name. Okay, I got a better one for you. Jonas Grumby is a great band name. It's like Mookie Blaylock, uh, which was originally the the band name of which band? Uh, Pearl Jam, right? Very good. See, I knew that one. All right, at the Bennett K, who played right field for the Yankees the year before Babe Ruth? This one is incredible. If he'd been a better right fielder, you wouldn't have the NFL as you know it today because it was George Hallis. Wow. Papa Bear Hallis of the Bears. That's a great one. I had no idea he played right field for the Yankees or that he was supplanted by Babe Ruth. Um, Another one that came in, Babe Ruth's mom's name. Ruth. Ruth, Ruth. Look at that. Ruth, Ruth. Uh, Not related to Ruth's Chris, though. Uh, At Bukes 1, Sylvester Stallone was originally cast as Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop. No way. That would have sucked. That would have been a bummer. Not here for that. Much better as it was. Uh, Mike Binkley doesn't really fit in question form, but I love working the fact that Calgary's hockey team is named after Sherman's burning of Atlanta into conversation. Oh, wow. That is random. That is random. Uh, Jonas Grumby update. This is very important, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonas it's Grumby. already it's already a band. There's, it's a metal band what? from, uh, from Cincinnati. So Jonas Grumby out is my next band name. There we go. I Maybe. still want to use it for something. Yeah, there's got to be something. I still want Jonas Grumby to be the name of something. <laughs> Uh, a restaurant chain, maybe? Yeah, something like that. A or sports like, bar. Like, let's head to Jonas, oh, Jonas Grumby's. Grumby's. Let's watch yes. the game at Jonas Grumby's. Oh, yeah. Uh, we Are we opening a sports bar together now? I we mean, are. We're, we're married and, and we're billions, so <laughs> we're we might married. as well. We have, yes. Um, at Kavitha Davidson, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. News from Spain and Fitz Nation, old ESPNW colleague Patrick Mahomes Sr., was on the mound when Bobby Valentine came into the dugout in a Groucho Marx disguise. Oh, wow. Famous that's... moment in baseball history. Absurd, ridiculous, bizarre. On the level with what just happened with A.B. is a manager who gets ejected and comes back in an absurd disguise that no one believes I to watch love the game. All of that, and Patrick Mahomes Sr. on the mound. Uh, this one blew my mind. By the way, I want to mention, again, we're in the middle of a radio show, so we haven't fact-checked any of these. So if any of these are incorrect, feel free to just keep that to yourself. Don't spoil our fun. Uh, At Clankston25, (laughs) Robert Todd Lincoln, the son of Abraham Lincoln, was present at the first three presidential assassinations in U.S. history. He was with his dad when he died. He was Garfield's Secretary of War. And he happened to be speaking in Buffalo at the World's Fair where McKinley was killed. Wow, that is... That's... Bad luck. Like, also, where did you learn that fact? Like, th- right. this is part of this, like... I mean, I, don't, I just don't even know where people discover this and how they remember it. Like, there's just so much to this. Also, there could be a fascinating, like, changed history fan fiction where Robert Todd Lincoln killed all of them. 
Oh man, that is a cool spin. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, he I'm murdered his dad, yeah. he murdered Garfield. Just, I don't know why you'd want to write that, but I can see it happening. Uh, at McKinn412, only three left-handed players have appeared at catcher in the World Series era for a grand total of nine and two-thirds innings caught. Oh. Not that surprising, but still a very small number. Uh, this one, you asked people to get weird, and this this one came in for you right right down the line. At jpol 1313 the hormone replacement drug Primarin gets its name... Because it's made from pregnant, pregnant, ma, mare, urine. Primarin is oh. made from pregnant mare urine. Oh, oh, oh wow. You find I, some I, pregnant horses, you get them to pee, you take the hormones, and I guess you give them to people. I, so the, the, there's a doctrine question here, and doctrine's an official southern <laughs> Someone term. Someone figured that out. Like, yeah, like who sat down and said, hey, anybody got any pregnant mare urine sitting just around? I've, I've, I've got an idea. It just yeah, but listen, Fitz, it no, sounds absurd, but that's, that's how fair. science works. You're like, no. well, let's see. Who would have the hormone that we're looking for? Well, we know it appears in pregnant horses, so uh, how are we going to get it? Well, let's see. Here we go. That is, you know? that, that, that's probably fair. Yeah, I, I, yes, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at Tino Ladobo, adjusted for inflation, the top three grossing sports movies are all about the same sport. Name that sport. I went with baseball. I was wrong. What was your first instinct? Uh, my first instinct was baseball also. I saw the answer, but my first instinct was baseball for sure. I thought it was baseball. It's boxing, which, by the way, is not a surprise once you think about it because of Rocky and all the Rockies. But, Yeah. That's 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 a surprise to me. I wouldn't have thought that until obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, at all. And and I think that's a little skewed though because they're all from one franchise. I'm yeah, just saying that that, is, that, that does. Skewed. Yeah. It's very skewed. Uh, at Uncle Fuzzy tells us Reno is west of Los Angeles. I looked at a map for that one because it annoyed me that that would be true, and it is true. In fact, I believe Vegas is the furthest west. Of Vegas, Reno, and Los Angeles—is that true? Uh, that 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 creeps me out. Like, I'm sure that makes sense. It just does, like just doesn't make me comfortable. Really. I don't like that, especially because <laughs> I went from Los Angeles to Vegas a lot, and I I don't think that's right. I don't think that's is that right? Well, I mean, we can't get into fact checking these things now. We're that's just sitting true. in front I of microphones giving people. I just said not to ruin people. the fun, and here I am ruining the fun. No, the Vegas one is false. The Vegas one is false, but the Reno one is your, true. Your delivery on that, by the way, was so on point with the Steve Martin Christmas skit where he's like, <laughs> thank you, no, thank you. The, no, it, no, no the, uh, we no, never get the kids, the kids together. No, I'm going to go with the month-long orgasm <laughs> and then all the money in the world. Uh, we'll, we'll screw the kids. <laughs> um, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's National Trivia Day. We asked you for the go-to that you bring up at the bar, at a restaurant, at a party, and you guys came through with some good ones. Uh, this one's very specific to me. BMCD85 because of my track and field background there's an NFL team that at one time in the 80s had three current national high school track and field record holders on the roster uh, the San Francisco 49ers who had a javelin shot put at 110 meter high hurdles wow. uh, roster members that's pretty wild that is crazy I would not have imagined javelin uh, it is you know the body type works I guess but yeah surprising um this is another good one at McAllen Rye. There's only one way to record four outs on one play in a half inning of a baseball game. It's been done before. How is this feat accomplished? God, I have no idea. 
It's very complicated, but this at M four. You're gonna give me like the scorecard version of this, right. like yeah, yeah. So, it's got to be on a sack fly appeal. So the bases are loaded. The runner on third base tags, but leaves early and scores. The fielder makes the catch, which is out one. The runners are forced out at second and first, outs two and three. And then you appeal to third for the quote-unquote fourth out on the runner leaving early to score. That is such a gem of a baseball guy. <laughs> yes. Like, that's that's baseball guy coming in and being like, well, you know, there is one. Way. Like, that. It, it's perfect. It's well done. Right? Absolutely. Um, there's another couple that people are not giving me the answers to, which is really frustrating because I want to know the one about the two rookies in the different leagues that were rookie MVPs in the same year and they were college roommates, and that person has not answered me yet. I'm like, come on, man. This is, you know. Okay, how about the actual name of Goose in Top Gun? Oh, I don't know. What was the actual name? Nick Bradshaw. They only show it on the side of the cockpit. They never actually say it. Oh, wow. That is... Golly, people have way too much time on that. Like that that is a, a brilliant fact. I just can't remember anything like that. Yeah. Did you know what Pearl Jam's why Pearl Jam's first album had the name it did? No. Well, it was named Ten. Right. Because they couldn't name the band after Mookie Blaylock, so they named the first album after his jersey number. Wow, that is such look at you. Yeah. That's also it. don't go digging on why Pearl Jam is a name. It's it it is cro- gross. It's gross. Uh What's the only thing that permanently stains leather? I I don't know. Milk. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.